Today we'll be in uh, in our next Psalm, Psalm 103. So if you turn your Bibles uh, there this morning. Good to be up here again. Uh, as you said, Kyle's been gone uh, the whole week at General Assembly, so gave an opportunity to focus on that instead of having to do all that and plus preach because actually the people who do fill in were all with him anyway. So, <laughs> so, um, so happy to fill in and, and, and grateful to be God's uh, herald uh, here this morning. Psalm 103, a psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your inequities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord worked righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our inequities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, and so far as He removed our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame, and He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field before the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children, and to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers, who do His will. And bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, bless this time. Lord, be with us here. Uh, may your Holy Spirit uh, give guidance and utterance to your word. May it pierce the hearts uh, of, of, of those listening, and not only those, but even, even the ones speaking. And so, Father, uh, simply use me as a vessel here this morning. So I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many here know, or how many here know all the benefits of their employer. I mean, some of you, there's a lot of older people here, some are retired, they're like, I don't have an employer. Where are we getting at? How many here have benefits from their employer? Right? How many here 
have an employer who offers benefits, but you don't use them. A lot of Christians today, if you ask them, what did you receive from Jesus? And you hope to at least get, well, he died on the cross for my sins. Well, this is a good answer, but if you were to ask why, well, a lot of people can't go any further than that. They know the one thing, but don't know the whole benefit package that goes with it. The cost of employee benefits is not free. You, know, you may pay out of pocket for some of them, but with most employers, you don't pay the full amount. God has given his covenant people a great benefit package, all paid by him, and this deserves our praise and adoration. In our psalm this morning, the psalmist calls on God's people to praise him and to remember all his benefits. So this morning, I want to ask you, as I kind of generally do, is to kind of ask you a question to keep it on the forefront of your mind throughout the sermon. And this question is, is, do you truly know all the benefits God has given you? Right? Do you truly know all the benefits that God has given you? And in your bulletin uh, on page five, you'll find what we call the big idea. The big idea is simply this in one sentence, I hope. Now you have to forgive me, I think, you know, the apostrophe was trying to find its place in my, in my outline, and it's it does, where it, find the place where it doesn't belong, and, and apparently it's, it's struggling. So Christians are called to respond to God's sovereign goodness with soulful, reverent praise. Christians are called to respond to God's sovereign goodness with soulful, reverent praise. So where do we begin? So where do we begin? Well, we need to begin and end with the right frame of mind and soul. The right frame of mind and soul. The psalmist begins with the covenant holy God. Bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. The psalmist right away puts God right at the beginning, right at the start. The psalmist is starting in a, in a position of, of, uh, of a lesser to a greater, right? God is the authority. I am the lesser. And in this sense, and then it follows by his openness. Oh, my soul, all that is within me, the deepest part of us, the genuine praise comes from deep within. You know, Jesus says this, that love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. If your heart and soul and mind are not locked into the sovereign Lord, then they're locked in to something else. This was Israel's plight the whole time. Uh, they were always locked into something else, always looking to other nations and other gods to sort of kind of fill them with you know, understanding and, and, to, and to be like other nations. But no, the psalmist is... It says, set your mind and your soul and your heart on the sovereign God. In Psalm 1, the, song, the whole Psalter begins with, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, 
And on His law, He meditates day and night. Our praise should always begin with God. We do this here as we begin today. call to worship begins with praise and adoration and and, and call to worship the Holy God. But also notice the bookend. He begins with, bless the Lord, O my soul, but he also ends with, bless the Lord, O my soul. So not only do we have to get our heart and our mind and our soul right to begin, but we also must get them right to end. Must begin with God, but we also must end with God because we have to go out. And God has to be where we end. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. So why? Why begin and end here? Well, praise first begins and ends with God because He has blessed you and I with all His great benefits as we will see in this psalm. So where's your heart and your mind and your soul focus this morning? Have you come in here prepared to praise and to worship God? We have to ask ourselves that. And if our focus is right, then we respond with the soulful praise. And why? Well, it's because for God's sovereign goodness to me, which is our second which is our second point. We need to see, we respond with soulful praise for God's sovereign goodness to me. You know, the psalmist begins with praise. Again, bless the Lord, O my soul. Again, right frame of heart, mind, and soul. And forget not all his benefits. Now we're going to work through all his benefits, but the psalmist begins with personal benefits. You know, and contextually, he's, he's sort of he's speaking to Israel. You know, as, as Psalm 103 sets in the Psalter, you know, Israel is in, is in captivity. I know it's a Psalm of David, but again, it's, it's a Psalm divinely orchestrated by the Holy Spirit that when Israel is in captivity, they're going to read this. And so it's in contact with individual people of Israel reading the Psalm, sitting in captivity in a foreign land. It's also maybe David himself remembering all that God had done and had given and rescued him and forgiven him. But it's also calling you personally to remember and don't forget all his benefits to you. So what does this benefit package include? Well, the psalmist begins with he forgives all your inequities. Now this word all isn't just being used just because it's a nice word to use. No, there's a purpose to this word. All, all that is within me. Uh, Forget not all his benefits. All your inequities. With God, all means there's nothing left out. Right? There's nothing left undone. There's there's nothing left to be removed. If you're 
and Israel sitting in captivity, and you read all my inequities and prophets like Jeremiah that we've been studying through are ringing through your head, and you ask, all my inequities? Really? All? All my inequities. You're going to forgive all my inequities. And the psalmist says, yes, all your inequities. And he also heals all your diseases. And we're not talking about diseases as removing cancer. All that good stuff we're talking about is the diseases that sin brings on. Anxiety, depression, all that stuff that, that sin can just make a muck and mire of your life of. All that will be removed. Not only in the now, but it's also an eschatological looking forward to what is to come. No more sin. No more sickness. No more disease. He redeems your life from the pit. No more death. Right? Not only in an eschatological sense, but we know that death no longer has no more rule over us. Right? It's lost its sting. It's no longer there. It's no longer a worry of ours. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. You get the, it's, it's an inheritance, a royal inheritance from your royal father through your royal brother, Jesus Christ. And he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now this isn't a youth potion, but it's a comparison. right? An eagle can soar high above in the breeze and doesn't seem to grow weak and weary. It remains strong. God does that for you. He sustains you and He lifts you up when you are weak and weary. What a great benefit package, right? I keep talking about this benefit package and you know some younger people here may not even know what I'm talking about. You know, it used to be, again, that one sought an employer with a great benefit package. Today, it's mostly how much are you going to pay me and the government's got the rest. I don't, I don't need none of that stuff. Someone will take care of it. And the package usually included health insurance, life insurance, retirement, vacation. And if an employer didn't offer that, most people would keep looking, right? That was part of hiring someone on. You, you needed to offer a great benefit package. Again, God offers a great benefit package. But people continue to look for something better. People continue to look for something better. If you're sitting here today and you're struggling with whether God is working out His sovereign goodness in your life right now, what has He done for me lately? What is He doing now? Well, just forget not all His benefits He's already given you. Friends, Jesus has given you the greatest benefit package in the entire cosmos. Don't go looking for something better or something temporal because guess what? You won't find it. You won't find it anywhere else. 
knowing these great benefits should lead us to sing out in soulful praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Again, do you truly know all the benefits God has given you? Again, we respond with soulful soulful praise. Why? Not just for me, but also for God's sovereign goodness to us, to all. The psalmist goes from what God did for you and to what God has done for all. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. We move from a personal position to a corporate position, a covenant position. The psalmist says, look, these are your benefits, but they are part of a greater work on a grander scale. There's been and continues to be a redemptive work for a people. For a people. So who's the us, right? Who are God's people? That's a question we really need to kind of get down to the nitty gritty on is who are God's people? Well, one, there are those who are oppressed. Again, contextually, the oppressed people that that David is, is writing to is Israel in captivity. Again, where this psalm sets in the Psalter, it's Israel setting in captivity in a foreign land and they're oppressed in a foreign land. Well, we're no different. We're oppressed in a foreign land, longing to go home. It's also for those who fear Him, right? A reverent fear, a fear of His authority, a fear of His judgment, a fear uh, of disappointment. Three times the psalmist uses those who fear Him. He used the words of Charles Spurgeon here. He says, all this mercy is for them that fear Him. There must be a humble, hearty reverence of His authority or we cannot taste of His grace. Godly fear is one of the first products of the divine life in us. It is the beginning of wisdom, yet it fully ensures to its possessor, all the benefits of divine mercy, right? And ensures the benefits of divine mercy to the possessor. Reverent fear. And this drives the psalmist again to begin as he did acknowledgement of the authority of the sovereign covenant God. So who's the us? Who's the us? Well, the us is the people of the covenant. Verse 17 to 18, we read, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear Him, again, and His righteousness to children's children, and to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. For those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. It's the covenant people of God. Today we said here as covenant people of God, not because we entered into that covenant with God, with Israel. No, we are part of that covenant because what Christ has done to fulfill 
Okay, we are part of the new covenant in God. We are covenant people. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, you are a covenant people of God. Who's the us? Well, the us and we're just we're just man, right? That's who we are. The psalmist says in verse 15, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. And for the wind passes over and it is gone and its place knows it no more. We are just man. We're just human. We're not God. We're not sovereign, right? That's where that reverent fear comes in. We understand the authority of who God is and, and the humbleness of who we are. So who is the us, all of God's benefits are for His covenant people. That's who these benefits are for. Is this you? Does this describe you? And if so, then these benefits are for you. But if it doesn't, then it's not for you. So what are all the benefit what so what are the benefits for all? Right? We've we've unpacked the personal benefits, but what's the benefits for all? Well, they're kind of one and the same. Right? In verse seven, uh, we read, He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Well, one of the benefits is grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. In verse 7, Israel were the recipients of God's covenant and His law. So God continues to be merciful, continues to show His grace towards His covenant people because God is a covenant-keeping God. Man is not a covenant-keeping man, but God is a covenant-keeping God. And all his redemptive acts have been recorded by Moses and the prophet, as Paul says, in our good teaching. Though Israel continues to fall, God continues to show his grace and his mercy. Now this continues on. Though they put his son on the cross, he continued to show mercy. Paul speaks of this. Paul says, look, me as a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin, I have been saved. So God continues to show grace and mercy to Israel, even in the new covenant. We fall every day, but God's mercies are new each and every day. Know that He will not leave you nor forsake you if you are part of His covenant people. The next benefit is justification. Verses 9-12, to 12, we read, He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our inequities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love to those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. 
In Christ, we have been justified. In him, God's anger has been turned away. And as far as the east is from the west, all, again, all of our sins have been removed from us. All those who fear him. Y'all need to give an amen on that, right? We have been justified. The next benefit is that we have a compassionate father. Verses 13 to 14, we read, And as a father shows compassion to his children, to the Lord, so the Lord shows compassion again to those who fear him. And for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. He knows each and every one of us. He knows this church body and continues to bless this church body. He knows who we are what we have done, and He is compassionate towards us like we are His children. The next benefit is that He is a covenant God. He is a covenant God. Again, as we read in verses 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those, again, who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children and to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. He's a covenant-keeping God, again, for those who fear Him. And again, this language of children's children, it's this covenant-keeping God, knowing that we can trust and knowing that in our compassionate Heavenly Father. In verse 19, we get a sovereign God. Right? The next benefit is a sovereign God. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Why worry? Why strive for something else when you have a sovereign God, a sovereign King that rules over all things? Now let's go back to verse 6. His righteousness, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Friends, we all will have our days when our hearts, and our minds, and our souls will be on our own selfish tendencies, on our cares and worries in this world. But the good news is, is that God has given us His only Son, Jesus, that through His perfect works makes us who believe in Him righteous and justifies us before the Holy God and His Holy Spirit helps guide us along the way. Right? The Lord works His righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. If you are here and if you are a covenant person of God, know that that righteousness and that justice has been imputed to you by Jesus Christ. God's benefit package is Jesus. Our life insurance policy, our health insurance, our retirement fund, it's all paid for. It's all been paid for up front, in full, and you need not even apply, just show up. Now, I do apologize if this comes off a little harsh, but again, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, then these benefits are not for you. 
but they can be. You just need to ask for them. But if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, a part of God's covenant people, then you have reason to rejoice and sing praise and not to do it alone. And I'm not even talking corporately, but with God's created order. As we come to verse 20, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Point four, we want to notice, I'm going to word it different than what's up there. All of creation sings praise for God's sovereign goodness. All of creation sings praise for God's sovereign goodness. Again, back to verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. We read that in Revelations 5. Right? Turn back with me to Revelations 5. I just want to sort of kind of reiterate what, what we read. As Kyle read for us, he says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Did he leave anything out? No. He has established himself on the throne forever and for all. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is within them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. We're not in this as individuals. We're not in this as a corporate body. No, we're in this as the entire created order looks to give praise and glory and looks for, looks for things to be renewed together. And the psalmist goes on, Bless the Lord, all His hosts, and His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places and all His dominion. All creation... All everything in his dominion is called to praise the Lord and to praise his holy name. There will be a day when God's people will get to cash in on their benefits. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Again, do you truly know all the benefits God has given you? If you do, praise be to God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. If not, well, maybe you have some homework to do. If you're here and you think God's benefits are not for you, well, maybe it's time that they are. The table before us is a reminder 
of all of God's benefits in Christ. And this He paid for on our behalf. We didn't earn it. We throw nothing in the kitty for it. We simply come as covenant partakers of His sovereign goodness, praising and glorifying His holy name. Let's pray. Heavenly and Holy Father, we thank You for the great gifts that You have given us. Father, the great benefits that come from being uh, reborn, being saved in Christ Jesus, a new covenant people. Father, we glorify you and give you praise for all the work, redemptive work that you have been working through all history and continue to do so. We look forward to the day when we get to cash in on those benefits. The day when Jesus will come again and make all things new. Father, we pray all this in his holy name. Amen. Morning, as we come to the Lord's table and bless, I remind us it is a table that is for believers. It's a table for those who are characterized, as the psalmist says, by fear of the Lord. And so, if that's you this morning, then we welcome you to come and to partake of this table. But if that's not you, then we're simply going to ask that you remain seated while others come forward to be served. As we partake of the table this morning, uh, we'll ask you to come. Uh, you'll form in the center aisle. You'll come forward. Les will serve you the bread. I will serve you the wine. Uh, once you've been served, if you would return to your seat, and then we will all partake of the meal together. There are gluten-free elements available should you need them, and if your conscience does not permit you to take wine, there is grape juice available for you. As we prepare to come to the table together this morning, we want to confess that which the church historically has believed. 